Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for inviting us into your space today. Uh, we've got a ton of different things going on. Head on over to our coming up page so you can see everything you can get involved in. Also, if you're listening to this via podcast or watching this on YouTube or wherever you are, just subscribe so you can see whenever new content's available. We hope you enjoy the message. Hello, Christ community. Welcome to all of you and those who are watching this online. We're so glad you are joining us. Today we are beginning week four of an eight-week journey together where we are focusing on how we can experience intimacy with God. Not just knowing about God, but actually experiencing a deepening love relationship with him. So in this eight-week journey, uh, we as a church are learning about and engaging in five core spiritual practices that all of us can build into our lives and that, that enable us to experience a deepening love relationship with Jesus. Now this, this series, this, what we're talking about, this, is, this really is foundational to who we are as a church, which is why we're doing this as a whole church. Our children's ministry, our students' ministry, all are included. We want everyone to be incorporating these practices into their lives so that all of us can grow in our experience of intimacy with Christ. So each week, in addition to the teaching, there are three exercises, kind of homework, sort of. If you don't like homework, we'll call them exercises. But anyway, that we are encouraging everyone to do that week. These exercises provide a tangible way to practice what we're learning so that it becomes a part of the rhythm of our lives. I mean, how do we get better at anything? We practice. We have to practice over time. Now, for some of you, these core spiritual practices are new and maybe they feel a little bit uncomfortable. That's okay. Keep at it. That's how you learn. Keep at it. And for others of you, these practices are familiar, but you perhaps haven't been consistently engaging in them. What a cool opportunity this is for all of us to grow in these things. I had someone share with me last week how even though they had been through this content two years ago in a class that I taught, going through it again in this season, going through it again, they said, has been so helpful and it's just helped them take these things deeper. I mean, we never graduate from these things, right? We never graduate. We're, we can always grow in them. So wherever you are at in this journey, I am so glad that we're engaging in it together. The, the weekly exercises are available through the link provided, also in printed form at our information area. The content and exercises can also be found in my book, The Intimate God, which is available for 10 bucks at our cafe, or you can get it on Amazon. It's also available in digital form and as an auto, audible or audio book on Amazon. Well, one fun thing, um, we've been doing a podcast, Jenny, KJ, and I are doing a podcast every week um, where we have an honest conversation about these things. So there's more information about that in the newsletter. Okay, so we began in week one laying out a crucial foundation for intimacy with Jesus, and that is our living in the reality of God's absolute delight in us. That's where intimacy with Jesus begets, knowing and experiencing how much the Father delights in us. Then in week two and three, we explored the first of five core spiritual practices, the practice of stillness. The practice of stillness enables us to tune into our own hearts and then welcome the presence of Jesus into that place. Now, if you've been doing the exercises, stillness 
is becoming a regular, you've been doing it for two weeks now, so it's becoming a regular part of your life rhythm, which is really cool. Well, today we're gonna focus on a second core spiritual practice that is also a crucial part of our experiencing intimacy with Jesus. And it is a practice that fits hand in glove with the practice of stillness. It's the practice of prayer. One of the things that we see in the life of Jesus is that the practice of stillness and prayer, they go hand in hand. So check out this passage from Luke chapter five. Yet the news about him, Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. See, Luke describes Jesus withdrawing to solitary places, places where he could be alone with God and experience stillness. But in that place, Jesus also experienced something else. Jesus prayed. I mean, think about that. Jesus, the son of God, God in the flesh, carved out time in his schedule for prayer. And not just occasionally, Luke tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. This was a regular part of his life rhythm, his routine. In the midst of, it makes clear here, midst of a very demanding schedule with people constantly needing things from him, Jesus knew he needed time with his heavenly father. See, for Jesus, prayer was not a ritual. It was not a duty. It was rooted in relationship. Jesus prayed as a way of connecting with and partnering with his heavenly father. And what's amazing is that Jesus actually invites us into this same experience. Jesus teaches us how to pray. So look with me at Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse nine. This then, Jesus says, is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So in this passage, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. This is like having Patrick Mahomes teach us how to throw a football or Chip and Joanna Gaines teaching us how to decorate a living room, right? In this passage, Jesus, our Savior, gives us this very personal and specific window into what a healthy prayer life looks like. Now, unfortunately, many Christians throughout the history of the church, many Christians miss the significance of this prayer and they miss it by reducing it to something just to be recited in a worship service or whatever. Nothing wrong with it being recited, but it is so much more than something to be recited. For centuries in the church, this prayer has been recognized as a template. It is a guide to help us learn how to pray. Now this prayer, just telling you, has had a profound impact on my experience of praying. All started years ago in a conversation with a pastor friend of mine whose prayer life, I would pray with him once a month, just deeply admired his prayer life. He's an amazing guy, a guy named Brian Severin, who pastored in Greeley for a number of years. He passed away a few years ago, right kind of in the prime of his life in ministry. It's really, really hard. But I so admired his prayer life 
So one day, as we were riding in a, in a, in a car together, I asked him, hey, Brian, could you just, you, I, I really admire your prayer life. Could you just tell me, I'm just curious, what, what has helped you in terms of resources or whatever? What has helped you most in terms of help growing in your experience of prayer? And I was expecting him to give some book or some video to watch or whatever. Without hesitation, without hesitation, he said, oh, oh that's easy. It's when I learned to pray the Lord's Prayer. Using the, Lord, using the prayer of Jesus as the pattern for my own praying. And I was so intrigued by his answer that I immediately began doing this in my own prayer time. And I've, I've never stopped. I've never stopped. This continues to be my primary paradigm for my practice of prayer. And what I love about using it in this way is that it shows us what Jesus considered to be the crucial elements of a healthy prayer life. Sometimes, any of us, sometimes we can get into a rut in our praying. We only pray maybe for ourselves and then we're done. Or we only pray for other people or whatever. But we miss, when we get into a rut and we miss some important aspects of prayer. It's like doing an exercise program that only focuses on my biceps. And man, because I, I want my biceps to look good. So we're just continually doing this exercise. And that's awesome. We're most comfortable doing this exercise. And afterwards, you know, after weeks of this, we have what? Amazing biceps. But what about your abs? You know, what, what about your lower body? See, in a, in a good exercise program for optimal health, you focus on multiple areas. The Lord's Prayer provides a pathway on which we can run and thrive in prayer. So whether you are new to this whole prayer thing or you've been praying for years, years like I had been when I talked to Brian, whether you've been new to this or you've been praying for years, using this prayer, I'm telling you, using this prayer, the way I'm gonna teach it to, in this service, using this prayer can help you experience a more vibrant prayer life and a deeper experience of intimacy with Jesus because we're learning from Jesus how to pray. We are patterning our prayer life after what he taught us. So in the Lord's Prayer, there are six themes on which Jesus focuses. So let's walk through these. The first area of focus in the Lord's Prayer is what I call presence. Jesus begins with the, these words, our Father in heaven. Now, what, what, what is he doing here? He is focusing our hearts. He is beginning prayer by focusing our hearts on the presence of God, the one that we're praying to. See, Jesus wants us to know what this God is like. And so he begins by calling him father. No proper Jew in that time period would ever refer to God in this personal of a way, but Jesus did. And this is significant. Jesus wants us to know right off the bat that we are praying to a God who loves us, a God who is for us, a God whose face is turned toward us. Now notice, as a side note here, but notice how well this fits with the practice of stillness. In stillness, we've been learning the last couple of weeks, we practice being present to our own heart so that we can be present to God. So then imagine we're practicing stillness. Well, then guess what? We move right into prayer and we begin right here in this place. We begin the way Jesus did, by focusing on God as our loving Father. 
Jesus also adds to this the words in heaven, our Father in heaven. This is, look, friends, this is who we're praying to. We're praying to a God who loves us and who happens to sit enthroned in heaven. We are not praying to a God who is too busy, who is distracted on his cell phone or whatever, who is uncaring, who is emotionally distant or gone on wherever, trips or whatever. No, we are not praying to a God like that. We're praying, we're not praying to a God who is too busy, nor are we praying to a God who is unable to help us in our need. No, we are praying to a God who loves us beyond what we can imagine and who is able to do beyond what we could ever imagine. I mean, doesn't that, doesn't knowing that make you want to pray more, (laughs) you know, right? More often. Okay, second area that Jesus focuses on here in his prayer is praise. So Jesus then prays, hallowed be your name. Now from a biblical perspective, someone's name represented their character. It represented their character. And the word hallowed or holy represents wholeness. It represents the fullness, the wholeness of all of God's attributes. So in this part of our prayer, we take time then to express praise to God for who he is and for all that he has done. And this is really important. Praise is not praise unless it is actually expressed. Think about that. We can feel all sorts of wonderful things about someone and think they're amazing, but if we never tell them, that's not praise. Praise is not simply feeling something wonderful in our heart about who God is. Praise is expressing it. Praise is expressing it. So Jesus is inviting us here in our praying to take a time to express praise to God for who he is. And this is also a great time to express gratitude to God for specific blessings, for things he has done in your life, which helps stir joy in our hearts. Okay, so presence, our God, our Father in heaven. Praise, focusing on who he is. The third area Jesus invites us to engage in is what I call purpose. Jesus prays, look at this, your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God, but a lot of us, a lot of Christians miss this because whenever we think kingdom of God, we're thinking, oh, he's talking about heaven. Your kingdom come. He's talking about praying for the second coming. No, that is not what he's talking about. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about a present reality. The word kingdom refers to whatever is under the rule of a king. Right, that's the king's kingdom, is whatever is under the rule of a king. It's wherever his authority, his influence and power are experienced. So think about this, the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is ruling as king right now. So when Jesus urges us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, he is inviting us to actually partner with him in seeing God's influence and power manifest in our world right now. How cool is that? In this part of our prayer time, 
We're thinking of people or we're thinking of situations or environments where God's power is needed to heal a marriage, to reconcile relationships, to provide a job, to break an addiction in someone's life or whatever. We're praying for our family members or our neighbors to come to Christ. We're praying for our fellow employees at our workplace and, and, and whatever's going on there. We're praying for the horrors of sex trafficking to be broken. We are partnering with God to bring his kingdom to this earth right now to bring his healing, to bring his peace, to bring his life, to bring his freedom. So when I'm in this part of the Lord's prayer, I often pray for friends who have specific needs, financial needs, or for a cancer to be gone, or for them to come to know Christ. I also pray for my wife. I pray for my family, and I pray for our church and our staff. This is such a powerful part of our prayer time because we get to partner with God in boldly asking for his kingdom to enter into these places where we know it is desperately needed. I mean, I just want to encourage us in this part of the prayer, just look around, look around and just start to think about what would it look like in this environment? What would it look like in this family? What would it look like in our neighborhood? What would it look like in my workplace? What would it look like in this person's life if Jesus was reigning as king? And then we pray into that. We see it. Ah, oh, that would be awesome. That marriage would be restored. That relationship would be healed. Jesus would be at the center of that. And we pray it. We pray into it. We are partnering with Jesus to bring his kingdom on earth right now. The fourth area in this prayer focuses on provision. Jesus prays, give us today our daily bread. Now, I want you to notice something really significant just happened in this prayer, and I want you to notice it. It's, it's hugely important. The first three areas in the Lord's prayer are focused on God. Did you notice that? Who he is and where his kingdom is needed. But beginning in the second half of the Lord's prayer, Jesus encourages us to get personal. Where do we need his work in our lives? Now, this is important because I think a lot of times our prayers, just instinctively, our prayers often start with and they primarily focus on our own needs. And as we see in this section, we're gonna see in a minute, that's a really important aspect of prayer, but it's not where Jesus begins. It's not where Jesus encourages us to begin. Jesus says, when you pray, I want you to start with God. I want you to start by focusing on who God is and then by expressing you know, his presence and then by expressing praise for his attributes. I want you to focus on his activity, his kingdom. I want you to focus on God. And then Jesus says, focus on your own needs. After you've done that, focus on your own needs. It's not that our own needs aren't important. They are. But starting with a focus on God puts our needs in perspective. Okay, so in this part of this prayer, provision, Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. See, this is a reminder, a beautiful reminder from Jesus that God actually cares for our practical, personal, everyday needs, like bread, something as mundane as bread, God cares about it. God cares about the little things that we care about. So in this part of our prayer time, we pray specifically for needs that we have. Often, often in our lives, 
I don't know if any can relate, any of you can relate, but sometimes they do this. I, sometimes we don't pray for certain needs because they feel too trivial to bring to God's attention, right? He's busy with other things. He's ruling the universe. I'm not gonna bring in my little pinky that's out of joint or whatever it is. We, we just feel like these are too trivial to bring to God's attention. L- listen, friends, nothing, nothing is too trivial to bring to our Father's attention. If we care about it, he cares about it. If we care about it, he cares about it. And it's not only about needs. Jesus also cares about what we want, what our heart wants. I mean, maybe there are heart desires that you have that you have never prayed about. A longing in your heart, a dream God has given you, something stirring in your heart, but you've never prayed about, oh, it's just something I want. You've never prayed about it. Why not? Why not? God cares about your heart. This whole father-child thing, that, that image, you know, we, sometimes we, we struggle to put ourselves in the child position with God, but if you're a parent, you do it all the time instinctively. Your child comes up, you want them to bring whatever need, right? And, you, and that happens, you, you are eager for that. So if we have an idea that oh, I can't pray about trivial things because God doesn't really care, no, no, we don't understand this what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, look, if you care about it, he cares about it. Bring it to him. Pray about it. Now, we need to remember something here, though. I want to just, um, just offer a little bit here, uh, some, uh, a point here. that we're, we're, We got to remember when we're talking about this daily bread thing, we're, what we're pursuing here is a relationship, not a vending machine, okay? Prayer, it is not, you know, putting a dollar bill in the slot so that our Snickers comes out. Uh, that, that, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is an invitation into relationship. It is to come to God with our needs as an opportunity to lean into him and to trust him, to trust that he loves us and he hears us, even if sometimes his answer is not yet or no. It's about relationship. Our father, we know that he loves us. So he's not a vending machine. We're coming to him with our needs, but not demanding, you know, we're coming to him, opening our heart about our needs. But we're also coming to him with a heart of trust. The fifth area of of Jesus' prayer focuses on pardon, on forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I love the fact that Jesus includes this. And here's why. How often do we fall into this subconscious or conscious trap of thinking that, oh, because we recently messed up and gave into some sin in our lives, we, we did that recently. Well, because of that, we really can't pray for at least a week or so until he's kind of forgotten about it, whatever it is. We just feel like, man, if we really recently messed up, we can't pray. We're not good enough. We're not holy enough. We're tainted by sin. So we can't approach God for, again, for at least a few days. Look here, Jesus reminds us of something really, really important about prayer. Prayer is for sinners. Otherwise he wouldn't have put this in here. Forgive us our sins. Prayer is for sinners. We don't have to clean up our lives in order to, you know, 
pray and think, oh, I got a, you know, at least a few days of kind of reforming my language before I pray, whatever. No, 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 we don't have to do that. We are praying to a God whose heart is already filled with mercy, a God who eagerly forgives us. Okay, so Jesus encourages us to create space in our prayer time on a regular basis to confess any sinful actions or thoughts that we've engaged in. Not so that we beat ourselves up. This is not about, oh, I'm such a terrible person. No, 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 that's not why this is here. The reason this is here, the reason this is here is because I believe Jesus wants us to experience the freedom and joy of his forgiveness. So when we, it's not like we can't go to God because we have sin in our life. No, but forgiveness enables us. I mean, confession of sin enables us to experience his forgiveness, to experience the freedom and joy. That's like we're carrying this weight and we're feeling like, ah, you take it, Lord. It's about our experience of his forgiveness. So in this part of the prayer time, we're just gonna ask the Lord, are there any sins that I need to confess to you, and then we wait to see if the Holy Spirit brings anything to mind. And if so, we confess that sin, we ask Jesus to forgive us, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We receive his grace. Okay, now look at this. Once, think about this, once we experience afresh Jesus' forgiveness for our sins, guess what our hearts are now better able to do? Forgive those who have sinned against us which is exactly where Jesus goes next in this prayer. Whenever we pray, Jesus urges us to include a time in which we examine our own heart to see if there is anyone that we're harboring bitterness towards and we choose to forgive them. So in this part of the prayer, we ask Jesus, is there anyone I need to forgive? And if he brings someone to mind, we choose to forgive them. We, what that means is we bring that offense to the cross and we leave it with Jesus. Now, for more details about how to forgive someone, I include a much more detailed description in exercise two of this week's exercises. But I want us to stop here for just a moment and think about this. We typically think that prayer is just between us and God. Prayer is just about my relationship with God, it's just about me and God. But notice how, according to Jesus, our experience of prayer must include our relationships with others. And here's why, bitterness and unforgiveness poison our hearts and they will negatively impact our life with God, which is why Jesus includes it here. This is a big deal. And honestly, I would prefer if Jesus had just skipped this part, you know, just that I could, so I could just hold on a little longer to my bitterness towards someone who hurt me. But no, God doesn't want us harboring bitterness toward anyone. And that's why he puts us in this prayer because that has a huge negative impact upon us spiritually and emotionally and physically and relationally. Unforgiveness impacts us in all of those ways. So by putting forgiveness in the Lord's prayer, Jesus highlights the importance of our heart and our relationships being healthy. 
The sixth area Jesus wants us to focus on is protection. Jesus prays and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, Jesus wants us to remember that we're in a battle. We're in a battle with a very real spiritual enemy who is evil and who wants to do all he can to damage the work of God in us. Because by doing so, he doesn't really care about us. By doing so, he robs God of glory. That's his only interest in you and me. (laughs) It's to rob God of glory. And one of the most powerful weapons we have against this enemy is prayer. We can't fight this enemy on our own. We need the power of God working on our behalf. And this is why Jesus includes this. This is why he includes this final section in in this prayer template, because it focuses on spiritual warfare. Now, I want us to notice two things that Jesus prays for here in this part of the prayer, because sometimes... When Christians start focusing on warfare prayers, things can get a little weird, start to get a little weird, and sometimes they get a little out of balance. So I just want us to look at what Jesus focuses on in this part of the prayer. First, Jesus urges us to pray for strength to resist temptation and lead us not into temptation. This this is a prayer in which we are asking God to help us resist temptation. Now, why is this important? It's because when we give in to sin, we open doors for greater demonic influence. Let me say this another way. The most powerful warfare we can engage in against the enemy is obedience. It's to not give in to a temptation. Obedience is a powerful weapon of warfare, which is why Jesus urges us to pray for God's help in obeying him. Lead me, Lord, not into temptation. Lead me into all that you have for me. It's a prayer for God's help to resist temptation. Second, Jesus urges us to pray for deliverance from the evil one, but deliver us from the evil one. We are to pray for God to deliver us from the evil one. We need God's continual deliverance from the enemy's sneaky attempts to seduce us and deceive us and all that stuff. We need to pray that we would recognize, and this is so important because the, 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 Satan is a liar, We need to pray that we would, part of this prayer is just recognizing and praying that we would recognize when we're believing a lie, when we're believing something that's not true. And we we, we need to recognize that. And and because of that, we're believing a lie. We're opening a door to his influence. And so in this prayer, we're asking God to give us wisdom and insight into any way that maybe we're believing a lie and we need deliverance from the enemy's work. Okay, so those are the six areas in Jesus' prayer, this template. Presence, praise, purpose, those are all focused on God, provision, pardon, protection. Those are focused on us. Now, there's a diagram that we provided in the book and in the exercises this week where you can see this kind of laid out in a way that you can see it all together. It's really helpful. But we've also added to that diagram a really important part right in the center of the diagram. And one that speaks specifically to this journey that we're on of intimacy with God. It's the word prompting. Right in the center of this diagram, the word prompting. So here's the point. During our entire prayer time, 
We wanna be attentive to Jesus' voice as we explored last week. What may the Holy Spirit wanna say to us in any of these areas? For instance, when we're praying through the pardon section, I mentioned this before, we stop and we say, is there any sin that I need to confess? Or is there anyone that I haven't forgiven that I'm harboring bitterness towards? And we ask, let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Or maybe when we're praying about a, just man, we want the kingdom of God to come into our work environment. So Lord, show me how to pray for that to happen. And then we wait and we listen. See, this, this is the relational aspect of prayer that, that drew Jesus into prayer. Prayer is not intended to be monologue. It's not. It's not intended to be us doing all the talking. No, it's a relationship where we're continually opening up our heart to God and we're opening, he's opening his heart to us, to our heart. The Lord's prayer enables us to enter into this kind of dialogue with God about these various things that are on God's heart and on our heart. It's a very cool thing. It helps us discover that our prayer experience is not simply praying to God. People say, oh yeah, prayer is praying to God. No, 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 I don't think that's accurate. Prayer is praying with God. Prayer is praying with God. It's a dialogue. So this week in, in, in the exercises, here's where you're headed. <clears throat> You're gonna be learning to pray the way Jesus prays, the way Jesus taught us to pray, using his prayer as a template, a guide for our prayer time. So rather than doing that all at once, what I did was the first exercise this week, is it's gonna take you through the first three aspects of this prayer. And then exercise two is gonna take you through the second three aspects of this prayer. So then by the time you get to the third exercise, in the third exercise, you're gonna pray through the entire Lord's Prayer. Now, I realize that the first practice we learned, practice of stillness, probably felt pretty organic and freeform. And some of you were like, ah, oh, I love this or whatever. And in contrast, this practice may feel way more structured. But listen, that's not a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. Sometimes it's really helpful to have something to count on when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to pray for. The Lord's Prayer gives us a track to run on. It provides a helpful guide for us in our prayer journey, and it was given to us by our Savior Jesus to help us learn how to pray. He says that. This is how to pray. Now, I realize for some of you, having a guide like this initially feels a bit too restrictive, you know? <laughs> and you may be feeling that, but it doesn't have to be. And let me give an analogy. It's sort of like when you go over to someone's house and they have this amazing dish and you're like, I've got to have that recipe, right? And so they give you the recipe. And so the first time you make it, what do you do? You follow it to the letter, all the ingredients exactly as they describe. But over time, let's say you cook that dish a number of times. Over time, as you continue to make that recipe, you maybe start adapting it a little bit adding a little more of this or a little more of that or whatever. See, think of the Lord's Prayer as, an, as a recipe for an amazing dish. The, the ingredients are all strategically placed there for a purpose. So initially, I'm encouraging all of us, initially stick to the plan, okay? Stick to the recipe. Get comfortable with the various parts of this prayer in the order that Jesus taught it. And just, just as you're doing the exercises, pray through this prayer, get comfortable with it. And we're gonna continue, it's gonna continue to be a part of the exercises throughout the rest of this journey. So it's gonna be built into your life by the time we finish in four more weeks, okay? That's the way this, this journey was designed. Okay, so you're gonna be praying. Once you're comfortable with it, feel free then to adapt it 
for your own prayer life. Maybe you pray through this prayer over the course of a week. So on Monday, it's presence, and on Tuesday, it's praise, or whatever, a different part every day. On the podcast, KJ shares a very unique thing that he does with his prayer, but you'll have to listen to that. Um, the, the important thing, according to Jesus, the important thing is that these six areas are a regular part of your prayer life with him. That's, they, they need to be a regular part of your prayer life with him. Otherwise, your prayer life with God will be missing certain elements, certain really important elements. Elements that Jesus said were to be a crucial part of your experience of intimacy with him. So I'm excited, I'm excited for you to try this this coming week and to begin building into your life, this, building this rhythm into your life. And as, as, as I mentioned earlier, my, my decision to do this years ago, to build the Lord's Prayer into the rhythm of my prayer life, the, that decision has had an incredibly significant impact on my relationship with Jesus. And I can't wait for you to experience this as well. Amen. All right. Why don't we stand as we enter into a time sort of of stillness here. We're gonna quiet our hearts and we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come. And this is when we're tuning in. What is he stirring in you? What is he saying through this message? What is, maybe what is he inviting you to do in response? Or what is he wanting to pour out upon you? So let's just quiet our hearts, let's close our eyes. So Holy Spirit, Come, we open our hearts and our minds, our bodies, we open ourselves to you to speak, to move in us. Jesus, we say yes to you. I'm getting this really cool sense that, I don't know, Jesus is just, oops, sorry. Jesus is like just inviting us to learn from him. We don't have to have any of this figured out. He's, he's inviting us. He's saying, let me teach you how to pray. He's just inviting us Come away with me and let me teach you how to pray. So Lord Jesus, we wanna say yes to that invitation. We wanna say yes to that invitation. We love you, God. We love you. We want to cultivate a relationship with you. Thanks, Lord. We're doing this together with you. Thank you for that.
So I pray for every one of us to grow, to learn from you how to pray. So we want to continue to worship the Lord. We've designed our services this way to allow space this last several minutes just to respond to the word, to respond to the Lord in worship and praise. And so we're going to enter into that. Worship team's going to lead us in that. And let's keep our hearts open to whatever the Holy Spirit is stirring in us. And I just want to invite you at any point during the worship, if, if you're sensing something, upon you, maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring something in your heart, maybe there's a longing, maybe there's just a, a desire for more of him or whatever. Man, we, we invite you just to step forward. We got a prayer team tonight, I'll be here, and a couple other folks will we'll be available. We'd love to just come alongside, just bless whatever God's doing. We'll share anything that, if we sense something maybe on our heart for you that we believe is from the Lord, we'll share that. So let's just enter into this space. This is the Lord's Holy Spirit. Come and move and thank you for what you're stirring in our heart. And, and we want to continue to have you stir that. Set us free to praise you. Set us free to worship you. To be open to all that you're doing in us. So wherever you are coming out of this message today on prayer, mm -hmm. um, we just want you to know that whatever you might be wrestling with, you don't have to wrestle alone. We have somebody on our website. There's a little chat button. You can go ahead and click it. And there is someone waiting on the other side that would love to chat with you, love to pray with you, love to get you connected in whatever way you are needing. So we just want you to be aware you are not alone in this. And we hope you have a blessed rest of your week.